welcome to Sister Speak Fringe, where we discuss season two of the Fox TV series Fringe from a sister's point of view. I'm Sister J. And I'm Sister K. And welcome to episode four. Let's get started. Okay. I think oh. you're doing the recap. Yes, I'm doing the recap today and we're sorry for being late this week, but we had a great French episode to talk about today. Yep. So I'm going to talk about Momentum Deferred, episode four of season two. Take it away. Okay, so we start off the episode in Medford, Massachusetts at Elias Cryogenics Research and Storage Facility. And we see some guards loading the truck with frozen heads, which is kind of gross. A car drives up um, as they are finishing up loading the truck. And Curtis from 24 yeah. gets out of the car asking for directions. Uh, I love seeing Curtis. Curtis shoots two of the guards. Now, hold up real quick. I don't know. We don't know. And I didn't have time to look it up. To see His name who... is Smith. Oh, how do you know? Mr. Smith, because I looked it up. Okay. I like <clears throat> saying Curtis. I know. <laughs> but, okay. So, I was going to say, since we, I don't know his name, I was going to call him Curtis. But since we know his name is Smith, I'll just say Smith. Smith. Um, okay, so a car drives up and Smith gets out asking for directions. We know some may write. And he's eating a piece of fruit while he's doing this. He throws the fruit down on the ground, grabs his gun, two guns, and shoots two of the guards um, that are guarding the truck. One of the guards turns out to be working with Smith and shoots the last guard um, down. Uh, excuse me. I have, see, I have Curtis down in all my notes, so sorry. Oh. So Smith grabs the keys to the truck from one of the guards and um, the, the fake guard is telling him when, as he's getting into the truck, let me know if you find him, you know where to reach me. When one of the guards, which I call the hottie because he was kind of cute, shoots the fake guard um, while Tur- Curtis is driving off or Smith is driving off. The fake guard starts coughing a little bit and gets up off the ground and starts walking towards one of the real guards that is on the ground. So that real hottie guard shoots him about five more times. The last time shoots him in the head and he finally goes down. And as they focus in on the body, you see this um, <laughs> metallic shiny looking liquid coming out of his head. So, you know, so, it's not, I know, but hold mm-hmm. on, I'm gonna get to that. But you know, it's not just blood. So then we go to Harvard and we see Astrid chopping up and blending up flatworms. Walter is telling Olivia that uh, about an experiment he did with flatworms where um, they taught them how to recognize light. They chopped them up and fed them to other flatworms and those new flatworms were able to respond to light. So he's thinking the same thing could be done to Olivia to help her memories return. So while Walter and Peter are arguing about her doing this experiment, Olivia just downs the flatworms (laughs) and they're all looking at her like, ugh. Um, the phone rings, and then we go to Elias Cryogenics in Medford, Massachusetts. Broyles explains the scene and mentions that um, two of the other two other robberies at cryogenics facilities in Chicago and New York, where the same thing happened, where they were frozen heads were stolen. Walter goes to examine the body of the fake guy, um, and that is bleeding silver, and he notices that the blood silver thing is the consistency of mercury and takes a sample. Um, Peter starts walking towards Olivia and she flashes on scenes 
with William Bell in the World Trade Center and of a bell dinging. Um, he asks if she's okay and she says she's fine. Um, we go back to Walter and he's looking at the body and finds a shape-shifting device on the body while Charlie looks on. And we're like, oh no. <laughs> okay, so then we go, we cut to the woods somewhere and we see Smith looking at all the frozen heads and not finding the one he wants. He t- starts tossing them to the ground. He looks up and there's Charlie standing there looking like he's in a lot of pain and tells Curtis that he was real sloppy on that last job and now the FBI has one of their guys and knows what their guy is. Curtis just looks at him and says that you've been in that body way too long and you're dying and you need to go back and be fitted with a new conversion device since he can't use Curtis's because it won't work. Mm-hmm. Um, Curtis then talks about another cryogenic facility in North Carolina and Charlie tells him that he's got an idea about Olivia um, maybe being able to tell them where the who they're looking for is because she's starting to remember about her visit with William Bell. Um, and that William Bell, if he knows they're looking for this thing or person, would that would be a reason why he would bring her over. And so Kurt or Smith tells him, well, you better get to going because you don't want this to be the last body that you ever live in. Okay, so we cut to a restaurant where Broyles is asking Olivia her theories about why pe- there, someone is stealing heads. And she tells them that she think they think they're looking for a specific head, but they're not sure who. Um, Olivia thinks that Peter can figure out who the shapeshifters are from the undamaged um, shifting device. And Massive Dynamic, Broyles is telling her, is still working on the broken shifting device that they got, we now know, six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Broyles is considering giving Olivia a protective detail because with the other shape-shifting incident, they were trying to kill her. And Olivia tells him if, the, if a shape-shifting assassin, or I call it SSA now, <laughs> was trying to kill me, they would have killed me by now. We go back to Harvard where Walter and Astrid are examining the body and Walter declares it non-human and a me- mechanico-organic hybrid. He believes that they have to ingest mercury to allow them to change and maintain their shape. Mm-hmm. Walter is looking worried and tells Astrid to contact Olivia immediately. So we're at another lab at Harvard where Peter and Olivia are, um, or actually Peter is examining the shape-shifting device and they're talking about the invasion of the body snatchers. <laughs> yeah. And Peter turns it on and notices that it's streaming data And about that time, Olivia gets a text from Astrid saying that Walter needs to see her as soon as possible. So they're back at Walter's lab, and Walter tells them that the shifter's blood is 47% mercury, but the nurse's blood that he went back and tested, who they thought was the other shapeshifter, was blood with just a few traces of mercury. So it stands to reason she was human and not the shapeshifter. So they're all looking kind of worried and and now realize the shapeshifter is still alive. And um, is out there somewhere. Walter thinks that Rebecca Kibner, the chick from the video that's all high and talking about people are coming from another place, Mm -hmm. um, can help them find the shapeshifters based on their past experiments with her. Um, So Olivia is walking across campus, we assume, talking to Charlie on the phone and telling him that they have leads on how to identify the shapeshifters and asks him to go check with Broyles to see what the, he's found about the crime scene. Charlie's looking all sick and nasty, and he says, okay, I, I'll do that. 
we see him at a pharmacy grabbing a whole bunch of mercury thermometers and a slurpee. He breaks up, he dumps the slurpee, breaks up all the thermometers and pours the liquid into the cup and drinks it. And when he does, his face, which had been starting to sag, starts to reshape itself. But it looks like it was painful. Mm. Okay, so we go to Massive Dynamic in New York City. And Olivia is um, being led to Nina Sharp's office. And while she's walking down the hall, she flashes back on her memories of the other world. Um, She sees the Trade Center buildings, uh, a bell, and then William Bell. Um, so she finally gets in to see Nina and Nina tells her that they are, um, their findings that they believe the device is tuned to a specific shifter and it stores a pattern of its last victim. They believe they can extract an image and think that they are trapped in their current body without their device. So Nina and Olivia go to talk to a tech to see if he can get an image from the, from the device um, that's broken by looking at and examining the unbroken device. Mm-hmm. And he says he can do this in a couple of hours and that he can stream this information to Olivia's phone, computer, whatever, with um, a connection to their FTP server. So the next thing we see is a big yellow house, which is kind of pretty, except for it's yellow. <laughs> Peter and Walter are going to see Rebecca Kibner, and Walter seems really nervous and asks Peter to do all the talking. When Rebecca opens the door, she basically doesn't even look at Peter and looks straight at Walter and gives him a big hug and seems really happy to see him. Um, Rebecca tells him that even after all the drugs, she was able to see the ones that didn't belong, um, that they had a glow about them, so she knew that those were the people from the other universe world. Um, Peter asks if she could help them, or excuse me, Rebecca tells Walter that she gave, he gave her a gift and that she tried to contact him about 10 years ago but no one knew where he was. Walter is about to answer her when Peter just jumps in and says that he was, um, what did traveling. you say? He was traveling, that's right. <clears throat> um, Peter asks Rebecca if she, if she could help them now, and she tells him that her ability is mostly gone and that she hasn't been able to do it for a while. And Walter suggests redoing the old experiment, that, but that it's kind of dangerous now. And she immediately says, I'll do it, no problem, let's go. <laughs> She is hot for Walter. Hey, she wanted to get high again. (laughs) Walter, okay, so we're back at the lab, and Walter's playing a classic rock song, which I never did look up to see what it was. Um, As he's preparing, they're all preparing Rebecca for the experiment. She seems to know where all the stuff in the lab is kept and even knows where the leads are supposed to go on her head. Mm -hmm. Um, Walter asks her, kind of jokingly, if she knows where he left his slippers, and they all kind of look kind of uncomfortable for a minute when they realize that they had did the hibbity-dibbity. (laughs) <laughs> in the past <laughs> Olivia asked Astrid to log on to Massive Dynamics FTP um, site so they can see the progress on the image Walter um, asked Rebecca if she's ready and she says she's been ready for the past 10 years see tell you mm-hmm. that's hot or yeah like you said she want to be high yes she want to be high Olivia and Astrid um, start to see <laughs> the image processing on Massive Dynamics site and Olivia uploads it to her cell phone Rebecca tells Peter she met him once before when he was a baby, but then she starts to feel the effects of the drugs and stops, you know, really conversating about that. Walter talks Rebecca through a series of images and tells Peter to ring a bell. Well, when he rings that bell, Olivia passes out. She falls and her, to Yeah. And her consciousness basically returns to her meeting with William Bell, where he tells her how good it is to see her again. He tells Olivia that he brought her over in a crude manner, and that's not how he wanted to have a reunion, but 
he needed to have, you know, he needed to talk to her. He tells her to call him William or Willem as she did when she was little. Olivia is disoriented with time slips since she's out of sync with this side of the, of the, this side and without her natural talent could have been torn apart. This is all what William Bell's telling her. Mm -hmm. Um, Bell, she kind of has these little time lapses again. And when she comes back to Bell is taking oxygen and Olivia can, or we can hear his heart beating really fast. We assume that she can hear that. Um, since she's got the super hearing. Um, Belle tells Olivia that Walter and him predicted a war was coming between the two dimensions, so they worked to prepare a guardian to watch the gate. Belle says that he can't go back yet to that universe, and maybe not ever, and tells her that on this side, um, there are these beings called the hybrids that are being created, and they're called the first wave. And they're made to be able to go to both worlds without being torn apart like humans he said he could count on his hand how many people are able to come across worlds without mm-hmm. having issues. So we could probably count on our own. We could talk about that later. Um, Belle calls her Livy and tells her that she doesn't have to trust him, but that she that he can be an ally when she gets over being angry. So she kind of goes on this little rant about how she doesn't trust him and he's hurt her and kids in the past, blah, blah, blah. And he tells her that the shapeshifters on her side of the world or her side are looking for someone who could open the door to both worlds, but she must find him first. He tells her that she is one of the children from all the children that they uh, worked on that was the strongest. Um, Belle draws a symbol on a piece of paper and tells her that it's hidden on their leader and that Nina Sharp can help her find who that is. Um, at this point, Bell says they're running out of time and that he rings a bell, which is the same bell that Walter had. And we flash to back to the other dimension where Walter is giving Peter and Astrid instructions on how to deal with Olivia now that she's on the floor. And he's talking really calmly to them because he's used to those kind of situations. Um, we get back to Bell and he's telling Olivia the Greek phrase that she mentioned in, in the first episode and tells her to let to tell Peter this when she returns and that he'll know what it means and that he can, he needs to stand by her. He'll stand by her. Um, we go back to the um, alternate universe and excuse me, Walter is telling Peter they need to shock her heart because with adrenaline, because she's out and that'll get her back. We go back to Belle and Olivia and he tells her that he, he pulled her out of a moving car and he apologizes for what's about to happen, but momentum can be deferred, but it must always be paid back in full. And physics is a bitch. (laughs) At this point, we go back to Walter and Peter and they stab a needle in Olivia's heart. And on Belle's side of the, of the world or universe, um, the office window breaks and Olivia flies out the office window. And then on back on her side, they show her flying out of the SUV windshield again. I can Mm -hmm. see the first episode in Walter's lab. She raises up gasping and in pain and gasps that she needs to see Nina Sharp. Which is a great scene. Mm-hmm. So we go back. We're back at Harvard, and Rebecca apologizes for not helping them more. Um, they're walking her to her car, and Peter asks if she's okay enough to drive. And Walter tells Peter that he's given her enough to counteract counteract the drugs, and she should be fine. So as she walks to the car, Walter pulls Peter to the side and tells him that he wants to ride home with her, and asks for some money. And it was kind of a cute scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter shakes Rebecca's hand. And tells her it was nice to meet her. And as he does, she notices, she kind of pauses and notices this light around him. And 
then as he's looking at her looking kind of strange, she kind of brushes it off and says it must be the drugs. We know what it is. Okay, so we're back in Walter's lab and Charlie arrives and asks Astrid where everybody is. And she tells him, you know, they're out and that uh, Olivia's meeting with Nina at Massive Dynamic. He turns around and sees the Massive Dynamic um, image on on their computer and asks her what it is. And she tells him that they're trying to re- they're trying to render the image from the um, broken shape-shifting device. So Charlie's looking all crazy. Okay, so we get to Massive Dynamic in New York, and Nina claims to have never seen the symbol when um, Olivia shows it to her, and then goes on to explain William Bell's theory about the two universes colliding in the storm. Um, at this point, Olivia flashes on the Lastin Hennings cryogenics name that was on the piece of paper that William Bell wrote the symbol on, but doesn't mention it to Nina because she already can tell Nina's lying about something. Mm-hmm. At this point, Nina, uh, Olivia gets a text from Charlie telling her that Nina is the shapeshifter and to leave and not trust her. So um, Nina, as Olivia is leaving, says that Massive Dynamic is at her service to help find the man with the symbol. Olivia leaves the building and Charlie meets her outside and tells her that he has a team that's going to go in and tear up the massive dynamic company and that she needs to go with him to stay out of the way. Um, and they need to move. So they're starting to walk and he's kind of leading her, which I noticed already, but she was distracted down this alley and she's telling him she's got to call Broyles about this. And it's telling Charlie that she almost told Nina everything. And he says, what do you mean? And she says, well, I know where the head is and tells him that it's at the um, last in Henning's cryogenics uh, company. Right when she tells him that, Charlie turns around and she looks at her phone because she's trying to dial Broyles and sees the image is complete from Massive Dynamic and it's Charlie. <laughs> and then we see Charlie looking up at her from her phone because he sees the same thing she's seeing. Mm-hmm. We go mm-hmm. to commercial. Why do they do that? And come back and we see Olivia flying through the air in slow motion, hitting uh, the wall. And Charlie um, beating and kicking her when she tries to fight back. Um, Charlie, while she's down on the ground, calls somebody, probably Curtis, or I mean Smith, to tell him the head's location when Olivia kicks him to the ground and and tries to pull her gun to shoot him. um, He grabs her, slams her to the ground, I mean hard, and starts choking her, and her gun falls right out of reach. A random stranger comes up and asks them what they're doing, and it distracts Charlie enough as he's trying to shoot the stranger for Olivia to get her gun and shoot Charlie in the chest. He looks at her, but he's fine, <laughs> and raises his gun to shoot her, and she cups, she shoots him a couple of more times, the last time in the head, and of course that works out better. And then the silver blood starts running out of his head. And then she's she's looking all weak and falls back to the ground. We head back to um, Rebecca's house and we see Walter and her about to go into her house. And, and he tells her that it's probably best for him not to go in. And that and then he apologizes for what he did and taking advantage of her when she was younger and with all the experiments. She she kind of shushes him and kisses him and tells him that he made her feel special. And he tells her that he believes she was always special. Um, so then we uh, see Olivia and Broyles in a, on a random park bench somewhere. So we figure back in Boston 
And Broyles is telling Olivia that she had no choice but to kill Charlie because, foe Charlie, because she, he was going to kill her. Mm-hmm. And that, that wasn't her Charlie or their Charlie. Um, Olivia is really upset and, and wondering out loud, why did they kill Charlie for, for what? What's the purpose? What are these people? Why do these people hate them? Broyles tells her that the last in Henning's cryogenics lab was hit 15 minutes before they got there and everything was taken. And so Olivia then feels really bad. She says that she's failed and that her meeting with Belle was for nothing. Um, Broyles is telling her just, you know, to be okay, that they're, they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure out something. And she's just kind of looking at him. We go to some random lab somewhere and we see Curtis Smith, excuse me, unwrapping the head, a head, shaving its hair and seeing the symbol kind of like a scar on its head. We then see Kurt, uh, excuse me, Smith eating an apple, another piece of fruit, <laughs> while watching the head and the body reattach itself while there's silver mercury being drawn up into it. And at that point, the eyes open and end of the episode. <laughs> Woohoo! That was so yeah. doggone good. <laughs> Every week we always, you know, rave about, oh, how good was this episode? But every week it gets better, better and better. I love this episode I, I so like, much. I like the episode because it had a good combination of a kind of light comedic moments and action. And I, yeah, I really like this episode because she done killed Charlie. Well, I kind of felt oh, bad yeah, about yeah, that. I'm glad he gone. Well, I'm glad the faux Charlie's gone, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of sad that that whole relationship between Olivia and Charlie is gone. Yeah. And I like the way they did that scene because as he's kicking her butt and we know he's strong, mm-hmm. you know, and we know she can kick ass. Well, we know she is a good fighter and she's yeah. able to. So that just kind of illustrated more how strong they are, which we already knew. And I thought it was really good how, you know, as you pointed out, when she was talking to Nina Sharp, yeah, she could tell Nina was lying to her. But it was Charlie who called her and said, "Texted her that yeah, Nina's it's the one. Nina. Because well, he's trying one. to cut Get out of there. Yeah, that know. was the best thing he could say because yeah. even if that rendering came up, yeah, he could say, "Well, she's just throwing you off because she's the one." Yeah. But when it came up, I mean, she she was like, "What?" She believed it instantly because that's something that mm-hmm. I don't know because it all probably came into place that oh, Charlie was the last one in that. In that basement before mm-hmm. that, ner- when that nurse was found. Exactly. But I thought it was really great that scene when they were doing fighting and he was kicking her butt mm-hmm. and it showed his strength or the shapeshifter yeah. strength. But, you know, when she shot him in the chest and he kind of backed up a little bit and looked at her and then slowly raised his arm, you could tell she didn't really want to do it because it was Charlie. Yeah. But she knew deep down, hell, this ain't Charlie. And she said, I, you know, and she shot him. Mm-hmm. But that. I mean, I know this is a show and they have stunt people, but that fight looked like it was painful. <laughs> and when he was pushing her around and knocking her to the ground, it looked like that was real to me. <laughs> he was, I was kicking like, Damn. her mm-hmm. I really like seeing seeing uh Smith in this, uh Curtis from twenty four. I do too. Yeah, that was that was a pleasant surprise. I love- that was a pleasant yep. surprise. So and you know, of course, once again, Poor little Astrid. She's relegated now to the back burner again. She what do you mean now? It's always that way. Well, but last 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 week's episode though, she had a lot more speaking lines and stuff. Yeah, I mean, but you know, honestly, they there's 
characters. I mean, I would like to see more of Nina and I'd like to see more of Broyles. But there's so many characters that are that we want to see. There's no way we're going to get to them all the time. Yeah, that's true. You know, I'm thinking that they will start getting more into Astrid. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of worried when that scene came up where where, um, Charlie was in there and he saw the the computer. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh shit, is he going to kill Astrid? I was thinking that too, because he, he looked at it and, and his face was not visible yet, but the whole outline of his head, the he shape of his hair and everything, you could tell it was forming up to be Charlie. And yeah, that's the first thing I thought when I, I saw that scene, I thought, oh, I hope he doesn't kill her. I know. Because, you know, she would be so unsuspecting. Well, you know, I think they're probably going to kill her because she's like a side character or something. They need to give her more to do. Yeah, they do. I just want to know more about her and, and stuff. And I want to know why they keep her down in the damn lab. <laughs> they need to let her. I mean, they need to have an episode where she says, look, y'all, I want to come out on the scene. Mm-hmm. Why does she always have, can't ever come out on the scene? Mm-hmm. You know? And anyway, we say this every week, so we probably need to I get know, a new yeah. theme. You know, we need to give it talk, up. But, need, yeah. but this week for Walter L, he was so uh, cute. And I like that Rebecca chick. I, yeah, I like her. I like she played that part just perfect because uh, you could tell she was uh, genuinely happy to see Walter. Yep. And then she really wanted to get high again. You know, I mean, to the level that she was high. She really wanted that experience again. So, yeah. Uh, so I thought that was really, really good. But then when Walter asked Peter, can I ride home with her? And he's kind of grinning and Peter's looking at him like, oh, mm, shit. what oh. you going to do? Uh-huh. He said, I can take the bus back home. <laughs> I need some money. Yeah, I need but some well, money. The cutest part of that scene to me was when he turned around and went to the car and says, he said, okay. I know. That was so cute. That was so cute. I just I wanna, love Walter. I, I think we're going to see her again because we yes. haven't. I mean, they didn't use her. Mm-hmm. And now that she's had the drug again, mm-hmm. she's going to be able to see people again. Okay. So and I go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, okay. So you mentioned in your recap that Rebecca saw this aura or light around Peter. Yes. Yeah, just at that. What do you think? Well, she knows he's from the other world. She knows he doesn't belong in that universe. Okay. Because that's what she can do. She can see people from the other universe that are here that no one else can notice or see. Mm -hmm. And she says they have a glow about him. Well, right when she was looking at him, there was a bunch of light around his head. Did you notice that? Yep. Not so much a glow, but I I mean. I thought it was just the TV. No, 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 no. I thought it was on purpose. Because she, and now that you mention it, yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, because she mm-hmm. knows she's not from that universe, and but she's just, you know, pushing it off. Mm-hmm. And I think it's only a matter of time for her to... Now, see, this is what I was thinking, but on that theory, it kind of doesn't make sense why Walter would bring her in and give her all the drugs when he probably doesn't want Peter to know he is from another universe. So you know what I mean? That's but true. did you notice a couple of times how Peter would be talking to her and Walter would cut him off? Yes. So I, it kind of made me think, okay, yeah, Peter, or excuse me, Walter knew there's a risk because she can do this that exactly. she might tell Peter. But So he's trying to cut off any communication between them two so that she doesn't have a chance to tell him, oh, you're going, uh, you're not from here. Right, because... Wasn't Peter the one that, that that suggested that they get that same woman? No, it was Walter. Oh, it was Walter. He said, okay. I think I know how we could tell 
who the shapeshifters are. Mm-hmm. And he says, Rebecca, whatever her last name is, mm-hmm. can we can go back to her. Mm-hmm. And that's when they decided. So that's why I was thinking, well, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm wrong with this. Because mm-hmm. why would Walter bring her even, even bring her up if he thought there was a chance that she could recognize that Peter was not of that universe? Well, but I think that's why he was then every time they would kind of have get into a conversation, mm-hmm. he would kind of butt in and like get the subject turned away. And it could be simply a matter of he figured that he could control the situation. Yeah. You know, and, and, and not allow there to be any private interaction or conversation right. between the two uh-huh. since it was, you know, uh, in the lab, uh, kind of controlled and all that. So, but yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really good how she knew where all this stuff was in the lab. Now we know Astrid never leaves the lab except to go to her apartment. Well, we found out last week she does have an apartment in Somerville, but she's always in the lab. But she couldn't find whatever it was that they needed. No. And Rebecca, who hadn't been there and seen Walter in ten years, more than that, more than ten years, she knew exactly where it was. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really uh, that was cute. I think. Uh, I just felt like that was a clue that we needed to have for future. That's the way I looked at that because I thought, hmm. Well, I looked at it like they were trying to show that that she knew she was established. She was there a while. They were together mm-hmm. for a while, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So that was that was cute. So and and I really enjoyed this uh, episode. I I enjoyed seeing a lot more of the meeting between Olivia yes. and Woo! William Bell. Yeah. Leonard Nimoy is so good. Uh, you know, I'm a Trekkie, so, you know, Spock is my all-time favorite sci-fi character of all characters. So, uh, so you know, the first time when they mentioned William Bell last season and at the very finale we saw it was Leonard Nimoy, I was just elated. You know, I was just, yeah. ooh, I can't wait. And he does such an excellent job. I, I really does. like him. Uh, but I really like the way they presented it this time because we got more information, you know, and I thought it was really good how he was like, uh, uh, he knew she would be a little angry. (laughs) So he was like apologizing, uh, as you pointed out, for bringing her over so abruptly, you know, and yanking her out that car and stuff. But now my thought when they were, when we were going through all this head stuff and who is it they're looking for, I Mm -hmm. kept thinking, what if William Bell Okay, this is my little theory, and I haven't fleshed it out yet, so mm-hmm. bear with me because it's going to be disjointed a little bit. Okay. But I kept thinking, okay, what if in their universe, this current universe, with which is with Walter and Peter and Olivia and all them, William Bell's dead, he's in a cryogenics lab frozen, and they're looking for William Bell's head to open up the universe. And then when, they, when he started talking about and I thought I thought about this all the way up until the last scene. Mm-hmm. And then when he started, when then we went to the meeting with him and Olivia, and he's talking about I can't go back yet. Maybe I can't ever go back mm-hmm. because technology hasn't allowed them to regenerate someone yet. Right. I was all up until the last scene going. William Bell's the head they're looking for. I never thought of it that I way. I did, and I don't. I don't know hmm. why. You know, and I don't know what sense that would make. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I was thinking that William Bell in their current universe was who the shapeshifters from the other universe were looking for to stop him from doing whatever he's doing. You know, well, when they were uh, when the story evolved that they were looking for a head, 
and, and uh, from these cryogenics labs. What I thought was it was going to be some kind of prophet type figure that perhaps maybe in his lifetime was a scientist and he warned people about certain things, you know, but then he died some kind of way. So they froze his head. But uh, this is what has has thrown me off. The very last scene yes. has thrown me off because he is being injected or or the fluid in his body is the same mercury as the shapeshifters. Therefore, well, it's going to be a shapeshifter who has the key to the gate. It doesn't seem possible said, because, mm-hmm. or there's not going to be any recourse then for people on our side of the universe because, of course, a shapeshifter would want to open it up so other shapeshifters could come. So that kind of threw me off. Well, yeah, and and I didn't catch it till watching it a second time that mm-hmm. um, William Bell, when he's talking to Olivia, and before we even see this um, shapeshifter or the, the head being right. regenerated, he mentions that um, they're looking for him. He has a symbol hidden on his body, and he's their leader. Mm-hmm. And so I figured he meant, well, if, if it's their leader, the hybrid leader, okay, and he's see. a hybrid also. I must have missed but that. But I didn't that catch moment. it, and so that that's why my theory that I was thinking that it was William Bell mm-hmm. was kind of still holding true. Yeah, see, I, I guess I didn't catch that one little line because I was just a little shocked that, okay, this is one of those hybrids too because he's got mercury, you know, for his blood. So, you know. But I thought that whole ending scene was just excellent. It was and then, it was really really good. And then I don't understand. And then he <clears> says <throat> that the hybrids are being created, mm-hmm. and they're called the first wave. What does that have? You know, the first wave of what? The war that's coming. Yeah. I guess. See, but see, uh-huh. this is okay. This is my and so deal. this is where yeah. Go but ahead. this is my deal. I think William Bell was talking about maybe the first wave of the the people from the alternate universe coming over to our side of the universe uh, or reality. Yeah. However, that does not explain the observers. The observers are different Mm -hmm. than these hybrids. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that the observers, and I don't know this for a fact uh, or anything, but the observers appear to me to be more powerful than the hybrids. Okay. So I don't see where they fit then. I don't either, because I honestly... It's and, been, and who's creating these hybrids? It's been so long, and I think I've watched so many shows in between. <laughs> I can't remember the first... You know, we have the first the DVD, and I'm going to go I back remember. and watch it, but I don't remember so much about the clues about the, the Observer. Um, I remember a lot about the Observers, and, you know, of course, they're there to observe, but they also have some, some powers, too. And in and, and, and season one, anyway... They had a little gadget also, but it wasn't like the little shape-shifting device. Well, I know that they're the, they can sh- go back and forth. They can go back and forth, and they can open up that little portal anytime, mm-hmm. back and forth. So, see, they're different than, yeah. th- than this whole uh, 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 person that they're trying to, uh, that Olivia was trained to stop from opening the gate. See, so those are two separate little stories. Well, and this is the other thing, too. Okay, so we see Kurt... Oh, Smith, shit. Excuse me. <laughs> Smith. <laughs> Lord, I'm not going to ever be able to call him Smith. We see Smith, and he tells Charlie, you know, 
You've been in that body too long. You're going to have to go back. Mm-hmm. Well, he sure has been in that body for a while. Yeah. And there's something with but, have him, wait, there's something with him eating all that fruit. That's true. But even though he's been in that body, but his little shape-shifting device is operational. I don't think that has a I don't think that matters. Yes, it does no, because Charlie couldn't use his little device. Because it, broke. it, it was right, cuz it's broke. And that's why he's stuck in that body. If he could use that device, he'd find another body and be fine. That's why I'm thinking mm-hmm. that Curtis, excuse me, Smith, <laughs> is a different kind of hybrid. Maybe he's the next version of Maybe it. Maybe he's the second wave. Right, that doesn't expire as quickly as the shifter now that Charlie had. That's a good Because point. they're talking about, okay, now I will say this though. My theory is that could be flawed because it has been six weeks. Right, Charlie's been so, six weeks. And we don't know how long... Smith has been in his body, so mm-hmm. if it's up, if it lasts up to six weeks and then you can drink more mercury and then be better again for a while, then it stands to reason maybe that's why Kurt or Smith is able to stay looking mm-hmm. good because he's probably only been there maybe a couple of days. I think it is, but it, it made but it made me think maybe he's a different type of the shapeshifter that can last longer. Could be, but but yeah. Uh, now that you mentioned the fruit, I just think it is really. A good little um, unique fact to have with these people because the observers like greens and pepper. They always eat in a salad of some kind with a whole bunch of pepper on it. And and as you pointed out, Smith was eating fruit. Yeah, he was throughout eating the fruit whole thing. And the first time we saw him and the last time we saw him, mm-hmm. he was eating fruit. Mm-hmm. So that's probably significant in some kind of way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this Those episode probably lasted only the course of one day, so... You know, I don't know because she flew around quite a bit. It, it, I would say, well, Boston and New York aren't that far. Yeah, but still, maybe two days. Yeah, well, I would, I would not be surprised if it was over, over like a seven day week. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, because because they were because they had already hit three cryogenic places. They were going to hit some more in between, and it just so happens that Olivia. Uh, gave the faux Charlie the information of where the actual head was, mm-hmm. the facility where it was. So, you know. So. And one other <laughs> scene that I really liked was when he was talking about the title of the episode, Momentum Deferred. That was cool. That was, you know, momentum can be deferred, but it has to be paid, paid back in full, which explains why, you know, she crashed through that windshield she when she came back. Because mm-hmm. he yanked her out. Yeah. See, so she, so she had to be in essence yanked back, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, which that was it was just a great episode that all was the very way around. Good. All the way around. <clears throat> I enjoyed it. Of course, I, I enjoy it every week. Though they're just too. getting better and better. I think so. Okay, so well, do you want to go into? We've gotten a couple of emails. Yeah, this we, week we got a couple of emails this week. Um, let's go into um. Excuse me. Zach sent us a a short little email. Hey, Zach. And he says, I have finally caught up with season one and have just watched episode one of this season of Friends. So he's playing catch up. Oh, he did it all at once. That's great. Mm -hmm. And then he says, so he has. So Zach, hold on. He could tell us he has more fresher memory about the observers then. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on to say, did you notice that the first guy that the shapeshifter killed was watching X-Files. That was a nice little shout out. I'll be all the way caught up by tomorrow. Good first show, Zach. 
Well, thank you, Zach. Thank you, Zach. And yeah, we did talk a little bit last week about the X-Files mm-hmm. references, which I had a couple of our listeners had um, wrote in about that in the first episode, but I hadn't really watched the X-Files, so I didn't catch any of that. Yeah, I, you know, I really tried to watch the X-Files, too. I tried to get it's pretty caught up, but I, I just couldn't get into it. I just, I don't know. I just never, ever enjoyed watching it, so I'm not an X-Files fan. So when people make those X-Files um, uh, references, I have no clue. Well, I do know, I got the first season somehow on a gift. I don't know, remember even how, but, Mm -hmm. and it was pretty good. I just haven't ever gone back to get their other eight seasons, because I think there was nine. There's a lot. Okay. Then we got another email from uh, a new listener, uh, and her name is Juman. Or he. Is it a woman? Well, we don't know. uh, Their name is Juman. Man or woman, Juman. Anyway. And this says, this is, uh, his email says, hello ladies, this is my first time writing, even though I am an avid listener of your True Blood podcast, and I love what you are doing with the Fringe podcast as well. And she, uh, she or he has several questions. Number one, what the heck is up with Astrid's hair? Can they please get rid of that wig? I cannot pay attention to anything she says without being distracted by that thing. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll stop and comment on each one. I think you know our uh, our uh, feelings about Astrid's wig because we've kind of went on and on about it's awful. it. It's really awful, and, and I agree. You know, poor little thing. So, okay, and uh, her comment, uh, or her, his comment number two is, wouldn't Peter have suspected that Charlie might have been the alternate dimension soldier since he was standing over the body of the nurse after she was killed? Not to mention they found the device that lets him switch bodies near her. I agree with that. I agree. That should have been their natural thought process from the get-go when they figured out that that shapeshifter or the nurse who they thought was a shapeshifter was not a shapeshifter. Mm -hmm. I would have been like, okay, so who else was there when we came up on the body? Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. So that seems like that was a little... uh, uh, A gap. A gap in the writing, yeah, because, you know, they are smart enough and they're in the fringe division. I I agree. I think that thought would have occurred to all of them. And even if you wouldn't have wanted to believe it, <laughs> yeah. you it would have crossed your mind. You would think, okay, well, if the nurse was there that quick and that was the real body of the nurse, who else would have been there, you know, that they could have shifted with? Well, the only other people <laughs> down there was Olivia, excuse me, was uh, Jessup, Peter, and um charlie so i would have said okay all three of y'all come in here i need to see your mouth and if you got three holes up in there then you the one <laughs> you know that's right because they got those three holes up in there so mouth. juman you are right i don't understand why they didn't naturally come to that although this ep- you know the way they did it was cool mm-hmm. and exciting but maybe that's why they didn't do it that way yeah Okay, Juman's third uh, third uh, comment is, I believe Walter used to tap that young lady he pumped full of drugs back <laughs> in the day. He still has her strung out years later, and boy, was he excited to go to her house. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. They had a thing going. We know it. They got busy back in the they day. They got busy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think Peter was peeping that out too. So, And I think he had mixed emotions about it. Yeah. Just the, just the way his 
you know, his face was, it looked like he was kind of disgusted and kind of like, well, you know, it has bound to have happened. I didn't think he looked disgusted at all. Well, I mean, when you think of your parent or someone. Yeah, but Peter's a grown man. Yeah, but still. Okay. And Jumon's fourth uh, comment is, I wanted to, oh, this is a good comment. I wanted to slap the heck out of Olivia when she told Charlie the location of the leader's head. I was so happy that he was kicking her butt. (laughs) I couldn't stop yelling at the screen for him to keep choking the hell out of her for being so dang stupid. Oh, man, Jumon, that's kind of harsh. That's kind of (laughs) harsh. Oh, that was a good fight, though. And you've already pointed out that was a real good fight. So, okay. That was awesome. I know. And his uh, last comment is, I need to see more of Royals. The brother has a great uh, screen presence that draws you in whenever he shows up. Give the man some more dialogue already. I agree. I agree. And plus, I want to know about the backstory with him and Nina Sharp. Yeah, I think we're going to get it. They didn't throw that kiss in out of nowhere for nothing. (laughs) And he ends with, you ladies keep up the good work and tell Sister Jay, that's me, that I will be partaking in the National Novel Writing Month for the first time, thanks to her. Well, thank you, Juwan. I, the more the merrier. And come November 1st, I'll be writing. So that's a great email. Thank you. Thank you, Juman. That was awesome. Cool. And for those of y'all who want to know, as you brought up the (laughs) National Writing Month, (laughs) Sister J finally (laughs) gave me one of her stories to read. That was the first one I did in 2004. And I haven't had a chance to read it Mm -hmm. because I had a busy week, as you know. That's true. Sister J. So, um, (laughs) but I have it in my hands, which is, you know, amazing to me because it's, as y'all know from the last. I think it was on our French podcast that I posted that mm-hmm. episode. Yes, you Y'all did. know mm-hmm. uh, from a couple years ago. <laughs> I've never seen none of them. So this- well, I am very, very happy that some of our listeners, you know, see the value in uh, this particular uh, exercise. Oh, I and, see the value. That wasn't and, my whole comment. And there are, there are uh, Juman, you are maybe one of three or two others, so total, um, the three of you, three of our listeners who are joining me in the National Novel Writing Month. That's great. So we're all going to be writing our little novels in 30 days. So thank you very much. And I'm glad I could, you know, encourage others to do that because it's really a very good, uh, a very good exercise to actually get whatever story it is you want down just to get it down. And I want to add, let someone read it. (laughs) <laughs> because truly, I think that's a problem that people have that are writers or that have that ability to write mm-hmm. is that, I mean, you could write all you want to, but let somebody read it. So you get that fear or whatever out of your system and you can also get another set of eyes. So if you ever want to develop that little 30 pay, 30 day novel into something True. bigger, you have the confidence or feedback or whatever to go do that. Well, just for the record. I have online critique groups that read my writing that give me feedback. Oh, in addition, in addition to a couple of colleagues that I work with who also write fiction, 
uh, who give me feedback. So just because I didn't let you read it or say, oh, come read this, Sister K, doesn't mean that I don't give feedback. Anyway, we're, we're getting way off the topic. So. Oh, that me laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. Anyway, uh, we are getting way off the topic, so... That ends it for our emails. Uh-huh. You want to end that conversation. <laughs> you know, okay. I'll say something. Okay. What else we got? Oh, we do have a voicemail. Oh, cool. I almost forgot. Okay. Hold on. Let me play that. Okay. Hi, Sister Speak. This is Carmen Brown from Michigan. I just want to call and let you know that I love your guys' podcast. I listen to the reality. I listen to the fringe. And you can watch this fringe again because of you guys' podcast. Oh, thank you, Carmen. That's a great voicemail. We thank love you. getting it. So and and I'm glad that you listened to our uh reality podcast as well, because we have a lot of fun doing that too. Yes. That with our friends. Fringe so. is by far one of our what do you call it? Signature Well, I don't know about signature, but we're getting ready to have another signature one, two, and three weeks. I know. V start. So look for our uh, Sister Speak V podcast because we're going to start from we the some very podcasting fools. Ain't yeah. It, it, yeah. It's fun. Though. We really like it. So. It's fun. All right. Well, that's it. Um, thank you, Sister J. It's been a gr- it was a great episode. Thank all of our listeners for writing in and calling mm-hmm. and um, just keep it up. And if you have any information, or theories about the observer, please let me know because I know I won't be able to watch the whole first season by next week. Yeah, probably I'm gonna tr- not. I'm gonna try and get some in there, but I'm gonna, I'm I'm really cu- I need to go back and figure out what they're you know refresh my memory on them. That's true. Me too. Okay, well that's it. I'm Sister K. You gonna give our information about how to contact us? Oh. Yeah. You forgot about that. I sure did. That's your job. I was wondering why you're looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> That's your job. Sorry about that. <laughs> Our email address is sisterspeak at gmail.com. Our voicemail line is 972-692-7341. And our website is sistersinreview.com. Okay. Okay, now I'm Sister K. And I'm Sister J. See you next week. <laughs>